Morning Church Project. How's everyone doing? Well, we are we are spread out, huh? Maybe we should bring the chairs back in. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a headache going like this. It's all good. We're playing around with our setup. So hey, the good news is next week we enter into summer break. So <laughs> even at day spring, that means we're not gonna be setting up and tearing down every weekend. So all right, we're gonna have fun with that. Welcome to Church Project. We are glad that you are here today. We're going to have a great day going through. We are entering to James chapter 4. So if you have a blue Bible, open it up to page 700. James chapter 4 is where we start. We're going to cover six verses today. We've been walking through James for, well, I just counted this morning. We've had 15 messages in James already. So here's the 16th message, and we're taking our time going through it. But really, James is one of my favorite books, if not my favorite book in the Bible. And um, I've, I've entered into a lot of studying in it. I wish we could be in James for three years but I think everyone would go to sleep. I would nerd out on every little word. So hopefully, on your own time, at your own pace, you're opening up the Bible and going through James and going through your own Bible study, whatever book it is, just really methodical and saying, God, reveal your truth to me in this scripture. Let scripture speak into me, into my life, the truth that you have um, for me as I'm going through study. So uh, today, that's my prayer. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 is an incredible um, chapter or a Incredible six verses. We're going to, in fact, hit some verses at the end that make no sense to me. So I'm just going to show you my cards right now. A couple verses at the end, I'm going to go, good luck with that, okay? I don't have a clue. But here you go. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Let's read it. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Oh, this is going to be a good message, isn't it, Chad? <laughs> I should have worn my wrestling shoes today. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity enmity with God? Therefore, Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 5. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let me pray for us before we get into this passage. God, I pray this morning that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds. God, we want to learn what it is that your Spirit is showing us today. Teach us. I pray that we're all present in this place. We're not thinking about last week. We're not thinking about tomorrow. But we're thinking about who you are, your word, and how it is lived out in our life. Show us this amazing relationship today, what it means to be a follower of you, our King, our Daddy. It's your name we pray. Amen. Hey, last night was an incredible night. I sent out an email yesterday morning, so if, if you didn't get an email, uh, then this is what I would suggest. Fill out one of those response cards and put them in our new fancy schmancy offering baskets or boxes in the back. But I sent out an email yesterday, and my email said, hey, if you have time, stop by the Youth for Christ building tonight and see what they're doing. Uh, Youth for Christ is one of our ministry partnerships, and last night they had a prom, 
where, man, people got all schnazzied up, and they looked really good, the students that went there. Jared works at Youth for Christ. Ryan works at Youth for Christ and leads that whole thing. And so a few of us went and saw it, but if you weren't able to go, I want to show some pictures that, that we took. Some pretty cool things. I want to celebrate our ministry partnership. And so, Elijah, can you put up, do you have those pictures back there, bud? Uh, the, the, the pictures, there should be eight of them. You got them back there? Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. So the, the theme, what was the, what was the theme? Shanghai Nights. Shang, Shanghai Nights. Uh, and I, I tried to fold a couple of those orga, origami, whatever. I, I gave up. I ended up just hanging them because I wasn't smart enough to figure out the third or fourth fold. I'm like, I don't remember the steps. So Ryan booted me off of that duty. So th- there's that. Just go ahead and flip through some of those pictures there for us. Look at that, man. Isn't that fancy? Yeah, that's cool. Look at that dragon in the background. I like that big old dragon. Next picture. Oh, that's kind of dark, I guess. But look at that. Isn't that cool? You can go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look at that. Ryan, Ryan Jared, like, what's up? <laughs> Next one. Oh, that's it? Oh, Okay. <laughs> I'm like, well, I think a few more. Uh, it, it was cool. Like, you walk in, and, and they do a very good job of, of making it legit. Oh, see, there you go. There's one of them. Interviews, you walk in, like red carpet, and, and they tell these jokes and all that stuff. Um, but it, it was awesome. So, Youth for Christ, um, good job, guys, doing that. And it's an honor to be a ministry partner with you. Oh, yeah. Um, and... and as we're talking about ministry partnerships, I want to remind you, if you're going to Haiti, we're going to have a, a meeting after this, uh, this service, just talking about our, our trip. Um, so if you could be there, that's great. And then as a church, we're going to show something next week on how we can partner with Haiti. So anyways, let's get into this message. I, I look at this James chapter 4. And as it starts, I, I imagine James, here's the context. James is talking to the church. He's not talking to people outside the church. He's talking to the church. So we might as well close the doors right now. All of us have given our life to Christ. We're all, Christ. We're all followers of the king. And just imagine James standing up here and going, <clears throat> got some things I want to talk about, church. And this is just a handful of years after his half-brother Jesus um, has, has been crucified. He's buried and he raises from the dead. And, and James begins to believe and go, I think he was actually the Messiah. And so now the church is, is starting to happen and it's starting to grow. And incredible things are happening in the church. But yet James already, a handful of years, has to shut the doors and go, Church, we're going to have a family meeting. We're going to talk about some things. Because remember, this Jesus that we're serving, this Messiah, like he, he has changed our existence, our reality. Everything about who we are has been changed because of the person of Jesus Christ. And yet in our church, we have some issues. And I want to talk about some things. And so the first three chapters, we've been walking through things, our tongue, our finances, judgmentalism. Is that a real word? Let's take a vote. Is judgmentalism a real word? Yes? No? Raise your hand. Okay, what, I make up words, so if you know what I'm saying, then we're good, okay? But, it, but James has been talking about stuff in the church, saying here is our church meeting right now. And we get to chapter 4, and he goes, what causes quarrels and what causes fights amongst you? 
We're not talking about people out there. We're talking amongst us, brothers and sisters. What causes quarrels and what causes fights amongst you? And it's like James is saying, are you still more in love with yourself? Is life still about you? And James goes, let's take a bigger picture. I want to zoom out as I'm talking to us, the family, and let's look at, uh, just explain a basic truth in life. And he begins to talk very lovingly, but I think very sternly to the church as he's teaching. And he goes, what causes quarrels and fights amongst you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Your passions are at war within you. Do you not know why you're fighting? And James is asking us, do you not know why you're fighting? It's because internally you are in conflict with God. That's the grand picture of this whole six verses right here. He goes, do you not know why you're fighting? It's because internally you, yourself, are in conflict with God. You're unwilling to submit to the word of God. And that's the big point that he's making in these six verses. Why are you fighting? Why are we fighting amongst ourselves? Where are these quarrels and where are these conflicts coming from? They're coming from the passions that are raging in us that are contrary to the word of God and we're living like life is about us and I'm not about God. And we're living like life is about us individually as silos and not about the family moving together in a beautiful way. So as we look at this first verse, it says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights amongst you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? This word passions is, is hedone, which, which is how we get the word hedonist. And, and this means this, it's a physical feelings associated with bodily appetites. And so if you're a hedonist, what are you doing? You're running around continually and trying to just feed your flesh. The appetites of the flesh. And, and James is writing us, and he's saying, so, is it not that your passions are at war within you? The things that you long for are at war within you? You look at within you, just that word right there in, in, in this verse and in the context. Within you, our physical bodies are the battle, battlegrounds of Satan. Our physical bodies. Like Satan wants nothing more than to destroy our mind and to get us thinking in bad ways. Satan wants nothing more than to get our hands to be doing things that God has said, don't live and, and serve your, don't, don't let your body do these things with your hands or with your mouth or the way that you give or what. Our bodies are the physical battlegrounds that's warring. And, and James is reminding us, he's saying that aren't these passions, aren't they at war within you? Our physical bodies are the battlegrounds of evil. How we interpret the world and live in relationship with God, how we live out this relationship with God, all comes through what? Our physical bodies. How we text, what we type, what we say, what we do, what we think. This is our temple, and this is where the battle is at. And James is reminding us, he's saying that these passions that we have, they war within you. The battle is within you. These passions are being lived out in the church in deformed and twisted ways. Look at verse 2. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. 
You do not have because you do not ask. Would you agree that these passions and these things that are living out, these desires at this time in this church as James is talking, are being lived out in deformed and twisted ways? You you don't have, and so you murder. Do you think that's an appropriate use of the body? Murdering? (laughs) You don't have, so you murder. You, You covet and you can't obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. And the battle is raging in us every single day. How will our lives reflect the glory of God? How will the way we think reflect God and His character? How will our words encourage the church? And and how will we look more like Christ today than we did yesterday? And it most definitely is by complete surrender to God. And so the battle is raging within us. And and look at verse 2. You desire or you, you want something? And you don't have it. So what do we do? We twist those desires and and we pervert them and we murder. Okay? You covet and you can't obtain it, so you fight and quarrel. You covet something and you cannot have it. And so what do you do? We go and we throw temper tantrums, don't we? Man, I want that. We throw temper tantrums. We deform our desires in this life and it plays out in extreme ways. And as I was studying this, and as I was thinking about it, uh, I came across the New American Commentary. It's a great commentary, and this commentary says this about coveting. Coveting is willingness to turn an earthly object of human desire into something of ultimate concern. This This idolatry becomes a particularly heinous sin in its fixation upon the property or relationships that belong to another. To covet, to want something we can't have. Let me read that definition again from the New American Commentary. Coveting is willingness to turn an earthly object of human desire, something we desire, into something of ultimate concern. This idolatry idolatry becomes a particularly heinous sin in its fixation upon the property or relationship that belongs to another. Have you ever longed to have something you couldn't have? Have you ever chased after something that you couldn't have? Coveted and twisted the desire of, of good desire in us, but it suddenly it just starts running us over? We should take these desires that God gives us as good and pleasing. God gives us good desires in our life for good things. But it's when we take those good desires and we deform them that these desires are not good anymore. Have you ever been fixated on something so much that that's all you could think about? How about this? So, so we have one car, and, and we're excited because we're going to be getting a, a new car pretty soon, another car. We're going to add a second car. And so we've narrowed it down to a couple cars. I'm like, oh, they're pretty cool. But all of a sudden, you know how it works. Once you start narrowing it down to that car or that car, what do you do? You see about a million of them on the road, don't you? You're like, okay, where did all these so-and-so cars come from? Like, okay, we're focusing on it. And, and we do the same thing with our desires. We, we focus on something so much that's all we can think about. We notice it everywhere. We see it everywhere. And, and if I play this out, I can walk into the dealership, and I'm so fixated on that one car where it's like, I want that car no matter what. Like, I want that car. Like, I'm so fixated on that car. And we do this with our desires. 
When we take the desires that God has given us and we let them get twisted and deformed, we can get so fixated on something that we're now we're not even logical in our thinking. Uh, we can hide, and when I say we, I can hide uh, my addictive personality under the umbrella of collector series. You ever done that? I could get so fixated on something that the collector series is all I can think about. Do they still make those stupid Starbucks cups? Do they still make those? Are you able to go to a city or whatever? Lauren, how many do we have? We have a lot, don't we? We've got a cabinet of they're just collecting dust up there. So fixated, like, oh, Starbucks. Okay, I'm going to drive to another state just so I can get that state Starbucks mug. I could, I could cheat and just order it on Amazon, but whatever. Like, you ever been so fixated on something that's all you can think about? Our desires are not bad. Proverbs 37, 4 says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Church, I pray that over you. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's not bad. Because the more and more you come to know who Christ is, the more and more your desires begin to morph and change and look like the desires of God. That's my prayer. And I think if that was the case of this church, then the people of this church, James wouldn't have to say, stand up and say, your desires are twisted to the point you're killing and you're murdering. You covet, you can't have. Church, my prayer is that our desires would look like God's. And we would say, God, reflect your glory in me, reflect your character in me, and even begin to twist and change and grow my desires to be more in line with you. Amen? By the way, this is why we need fellowship. Things like this is why we need fellowship. Did I not need someone in my life five years ago, Lauren, to slap me in the face and say, stop thinking about Starbucks mugs? Like, this is why we, we need fellowship. Call me out. Call me out on these things. And when we see our brothers and sisters fixating on desiring and coveting and running and murdering and killing and twisting these desires, this is why we need fellowship. And by the way, this body, let's interpret Scripture together. For the same reason that our desires, if left alone, can lead way over here, our interpreting Scripture alone can do the same thing. If you look back through cults and how cults are formed, they usually are formed when someone decides to interpret Scripture on their own in isolation. And then they rally people around them, and now you got a new cult. Church, I say this even as we interpret Scripture in here today. Part of the reason we're going to get into a few verses down here, and I'm going to go, I don't know, is because I just don't know. I'm not going to act like I know it. And a lot of commentarians and a lot of knowledgeable people go, I don't know. It could be about ten things. Call me out in interpreting scripture. Call me out when you see my desires fixated and I'm not reflecting the glory of God anymore. Like, this is a family meeting. We're here to love each other and spur each other on to good deeds. I don't want to be so fixated that I begin to have idol worship in my life. My desires are so deformed and twisted, I begin to worship something other than God. James is looking and he's writing. His heart's breaking and he's saying, church, you got twisted desires. 
If I spend as much energy reading God's word as I have in compulsive, fixated desires in my life, I would probably have the Bible memorized. So, look at this. You desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You, you do not ask and you ask wrongly. And church, the question for us is, are you praying more in love with yourself or are you praying more in love with God? That, that's a write it down one because that's good. that's good to think about. And I would write it down. Are you praying more in love with yourself or are you praying more in love with God? What we ask, we should ask according to the will of our Father. And James is reminding us this. I came across a reading, and I want to put it up because I would say it, but maybe some of us need to see it. So, Elijah, can you put it up? It's, 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 uh, it's Levels of Maturity by Bernard of, how do you say that? <laughs> I don't know how to say it, so. I'm just showing my ignorance today. Hey, welcome. Okay, levels of maturity. Okay, first one is this, like love of self for self's sake. That is nothing more than the worship of me. I love me for my sake. Look at me. Next level, love of God for self's sake. And and write this down because it took me a while to think on these things, okay? Love of God for self's sake is what can God do for me? Oh, I love God because he gives me this, does this in me, like, okay? Look at this next one. Love of God for God's sake. This is almost like God needs me to save the world. God, I love you for your sake, like I am a warrior. (laughs) Too much. Look at this last one, though. And this one, I think, if you really sit on it and pray on it and meditate on this one, it may transform your life. And it takes a while. Because the third step just seems really good. Like, I'm in love with God and I'm doing his work. Awesome. But there's a step that goes further than that. And Bernard of Cleve points it out and says this, Love of self for God's sake. God created me. I am his masterpiece. Wonderfully crafted and created. And I'm content being who God created me to be. Why did he create me for worship? Because he said I am worth it. I think that's when God smiles the most. Is when he goes and he sees his children so in love with him and so content in being in love with who he created right there that he goes, now they're worshiping because they don't even have to lift a finger. It's about a relationship. Church, if you sit on this and you meditate on this, you're going to realize that this is beautiful. This gives you permission to smile, knowing that you are a child of God, no longer a slave to sin. Let's go to verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity? That means the state of being an enemy with God. And the point of this whole passage right here. These six verses are in these these next words. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And James is standing up to the church and he's saying, church, remember this. If you're going to be a friend of the world, you're going to be an enemy of God. Our job is to reflect God's character and goodness. 
And our world is to be in the world, but not, our job is to be in the world, but not part of the world. And so therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself, herself, an enemy of God. Verse 5, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I want to land on verse 4 for a few minutes, and we'll go and close this out in a minute. The principle of this entire passage is, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I think of John 15, 19. And John 15, 19 says this, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, church, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And why, as followers of a king, as God has plucked us from the gates of hell, why would we long to live as everyone else in the world? God has chosen us and set us apart. I think of 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in them. Are we living for us or are we living for our Father? Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, this is the part that I have no clue. So teach me. In your house churches today, or later this week, talk about these verses. Verses 5 and 6. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read two different translations of verses 5 and 6. And so, just so you know, um, oftentimes when I come to hard passages, and most every passage that I teach on, I'll grab five or six translations of the Bible, and I'll read them in context, see what they're saying, and, and try to get the gist of it. And so when I did this, and I went all my commentaries and all this stuff, there's so many brilliant people getting paid a lot more than me with a lot more education that go, it could mean in about five different things. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust that the Spirit will teach you incredible things this morning, and I'm, gonna really, I'm just going to say, I have no idea. So I'm going to read two translations for you. And maybe it'll put it in context. So, and verses 5 and 6 are the ones that are so confusing. And so I'm going to read the NIV Young Readers Version. It's for young people to read. I'm like, I can begin to understand this, okay? So, listen to verse 5 and 6 for young teenagers or younger, okay? Don't you know what Scripture says? The Spirit that God caused to live in us wants us to belong only to God. Got that? Don't you think Scripture has a reason for saying that? God continues to give us more grace. That's why Scripture said, God opposes those who are proud, but He gives grace to those who are not. And by the way, that's a direct quote from Proverbs 3, 34. Beautiful. Let me read the message version. The message says this, You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance that you get, you end up enemies of God and His way. And you do not suppose God doesn't care. 
The Proverbs has said that he is fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willingly humble. When I read this version, I just got fixated, in a good way, on he, on he is a fiercely jealous lover. God is madly in love with you. God is madly in love with me. Regardless of what I did yesterday, what I'll do today, and what I'll do tomorrow. He just wants a relationship with me. With you. It's like our Bernard friend said, love of self for for God's sake. Love of self for God's sake. If only Aaron Havens could see the version of Aaron Havens that God sees. If only you could see the version that God sees of you. It's beautiful. He is a fiercely jealous lover. He just wants to walk with you. He wants our desires to line up with his. He wants us to look more like him. And he wants to hang out. Church, I'm going to ask us right now, that's all I got. I'm going to ask us to close our Bibles. And let God begin to reflect or, or reflect on God and his spirit. That he would show us some incredible things through these passages that almost feel like a tail whooping, don't they? But they're a good reminder. And I like how James, when he crafted this, he kicked us in the tail. But then he reminded us that God is a fiercely jealous lover. Thank you, James, for that. Thank you, God, for that. I need to be reminded daily that God is madly in love with me. If you would, just close your eyes and if you're comfortable with it, just put your hands out in front of you and receive what God has. Just, just, just say a little prayer in this moment. Just, just God, show me who you are in this place. Show me how much you love me today. And God, I pray in here that your Holy Spirit would be teaching us, prompting us, convicting us, encouraging us, loving us, speaking to each of us in a very personal way. Do you know why you're fighting? Do you know why you're anxious? Do you know why you're stressed? Do you know why you're depressed? Do you know why you are filled with anger? Do you know why and just keep filling on the blanks? It's because internally you're in conflict with God. Unwilling to submit to the word of God. If that's a place you find yourself in right now, fall on your knees and ask God to forgive you. Beat your chest. Say, God, how have I got to the place where I'm so fixated on my desires and me that you are kind of second fiddle? 
God, please break me of this. God, in this place, I submit to you, to the word of God, to your spirit. I accept this loving message. A message filled with grace and love and hope. God, we submit our lives to you. God, I pray that you make us more like you today. I pray that we would dance in this relationship with you. God, I pray that we would be men and women that desire you more than anything. I pray that our identity would be found in you. God, I pray that we come to you with our desires. And I I pray also that slowly over time, those desires would look just like your desires. God, I pray if we fixate on anything in this world, it's you. Thank you for who you are, what you've done, and the the word of life that you've spoken over us, the word of hope, the word of love. And we accept that this morning. Because of that, God, we worship you. Thank you for bringing us here today. In your name we pray.